listening to the RWC Richard Wee Chambers podcast. I'm Brian, and together with me is our managing partner, Richard Wee. Hey, Brian. Hi. Today is a little bit unique discussion. We're going to a very uncharted territories of esports, particularly on uh, what we call e-doping. Uh, to start off, just let me uh, give a brief definition of what e-doping is. Uh, to us, we know doping. Doping in sports is a, the giving do, something you do to yourself, whether by steroids or whatever it may be, to give you an unfair advantage in a competition. E-doping for us is the use of either software or hardware to give you that advantage in esports. Uh, recently, there are a number of cases uh, that has sparked the interest or debate on the topic of e-doping uh, in the world. Uh, Richard, uh, when it comes to e-doping, what is the principle, general principle behind e-doping that is such a, a, a phenomenon that discussions are going on about e-doping? I think, um, uh, Brian, before we even go into that first, um, I, I like the way you explain uh, and compare with the traditional sports doping cases. Um, so, the sports doping cases, uh, we have organizations like uh, WADA, World Anti-Doping Agency, and in Malaysia, is Adamas Anti-Doping Agency of uh, Malaysia and in this region is Cirado, uh, Southeast Asia uh, Regional Anti-Doping Organization based in Singapore. So all these organizations, they are policing the athletes to ensure athletes are clean and they are not uh, consuming uh, drugs. And why are they doing this? To ensure the athletes are participating in a fair and just manner and so that the tournaments are held uh, and competed in a fair and just manner. So if you borrow that principle and concept, e-doping is the same. That uh, I think in e-sports, um, people who watch e-sports, take part in e-sports, invest in e-sports, they wouldn't want the athletes or, or people involved in the game to be cheating. And e-doping is apparently one of the uh, known uh, concerns about this. In fact, I would like to say this, you know, but I, I think the, 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 the phrase e-doping uh, was coined uh, uh, sometime back in 2015-2016, if I'm not mistaken. And I think in Malaysia, uh, you were among the first, uh, Brian, to use that phrase e-doping when you, you started this e-sports law, uh, um, uh, concept of e-sports law. So uh, it's, it's quite interesting to see how a phrase uh, adopted by you, uh, Brian, has become quite a common phrase around the region. I understand some lawyers are even using the phrase to explain e-doping. So back to this issue, um, I would say that, yeah, is to deal with anti-cheating. Uh, I think we don't want players to, to um, manipulate the games and, and uh, win unfairly. It's interesting that you mentioned um, in traditional sports or normal sports or sports for that matter. Um, associations like Cirado, Adamas, WADA, um, these are independent uh, associations or organizations when it comes to uh, doping, to, to police uh, these tournaments in terms of doping. However, in eSports, unfortunately, there is no in such independent organization. A lot of the e-doping uh, policing, if you may, if I may, uh, is done by the, either the publishers themselves or the tournament organizers. Uh, in your opinion, uh, is this a advantage, a benefit, or does it become a, a obstacle in fair play? Uh, 
Um, that, that's an excellent question, Brian. You know, I think many people, um, when they hear the word esports, um, they would think about video games. And when the word sports come in, uh, people will visualize uh, basketball, football, tennis. But many people who are not, especially not involved in esports, have uh, may, may not may not realize that esports belong to the publishers, uh, companies who own the intellectual property for the sports. They uh, the games like Dota Two, CS:GO, uh, all these games belong to a company. So it, it, therefore, it was a quite a natural evolution. Uh, in esports, for these companies who own the game, to try to police the game, to try and uh, control uh, fairness in the game, so to then expect an organization like WADA, which is by the way involved in medical and scientific doping, um, to come in and manage uh, this, will be a little bit difficult. They can maybe control the athletes' doping to so they make sure the athletes are not consuming. Uh, steroid etc etc but e-doping of course is a technical issue is a uh, based on software uh, and uh, I think we may need a separate technical organization to oversee this but firstly all the publishers must be prepared to let go of that part of the um, management so like, we'll, we'll, we, we should discuss about that more would you think that there is also an issue of transparency in the sense that if the publishers are the one policing, um, they can decide to close an eye in, 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 certain, in certain cases just to you know, promote a certain team for that matter. Well, there have been such allegations. Um, we are unsure, of course. Uh, and of course, it's very a little dangerous and unfair to make sweeping statements uh, uh, about that. But yes, such, such suspicion apparently have uh, been raised. And... In, when, when, when something becomes sports, um, naturally, people involved in sports want uh, that game to be treated fairly, uh, equally, and everyone must be given a fair play. So, uh, and that fair play includes, as what you correctly say, transparency. You know, you want uh, a third party, an independent third party to manage this. So, as I said a few minutes earlier, I think people need to first understand what e-doping is about. So e-doping, if I can just slightly go off tangent for a while, is a uh, suspected manipulation of software. So where players or whoever involved in the tournament is manipulating the software to gain advantage. Some may call it hacking. Um, but whatever it is, we define it as e-doping. And uh, effectively, now as you said, Brian, the publisher will organize the tournament host the tournament, have the tournament, and police the tournament. So they're all in one. They're like Judge Dredd, you know, all in one. But um, maybe if esports want to expand themselves and be treated uh, like a real independent sport, then perhaps the publishers may want to appoint uh, or, you know, let it go to a third party uh, where there's a technical team uh, or organization whose priority... Uh, whose uh, paramount uh, duty is to keep an eye and police uh, the software and to ensure nobody's manipulating it through the game. I think one interesting thing about e-doping is uh, when we look at doping, for example, in, in sports, doping in itself, it's a whole 
um, subject of law in itself. Whereas in when it comes to, to e-doping, for example, if let's say I'm going to cheat by changing the software, it goes into the realm of other areas of existing areas of law. For example, breach of uh, infringement of copyright. Um, so in that sense, what is your thoughts of um, how can publishers and um, you know tournament organizers protect their intellectual property in a sense of these e-doping uh, policing mechanisms yeah that, that is a very technical issue so we have uh, the publishers uh, having control let's say the popular Dota 2 so uh, the publisher own and control Dota 2 so they clearly have a copyright and uh, they probably have patents and trademark over the game um, so in order for them to uh, appoint or release or surrender the control and uh, power to a third party, then the third party must have access to the software. Uh, not to go and manipulate, but to go and see. So this person, is uh, this company or this organization or, or association will be like a um, uh, person who to look into the software and say, hey, you know, I think there's something wrong with this. Uh, as opposed to someone going in to manipulate it. So that, they, 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 of course, as we go into more details, uh, we will need to think about the safeguards uh, to the publisher uh, when allowing a third party to look into their software. But that, I guess we will deal with that when we bridge, we cross that bridge. Uh, but for now, I think um, the biggest question to ask at the moment is uh, how do we even manage e-doping? You know, should we, should we, Form a third party organization or not, and then yes, you're right, Brian. If you do form, what what is the extent of access given to this third party to control? Blah blah blah. Very very interesting. Very very challenging uh, future ahead. Yeah, I agree. So this is a very very interesting new area of um, esports. In fact, um, I don't think there's a law that's been codified for this yet. People are still figuring it out, and I believe that in time to come there will be lots and lots more uh, discussion. Uh, in, in this area uh, any last words Richard you'd like to say well uh, you know thanks Brian um, I think esports over the last uh, two years in Malaysia has uh, grown rapidly and in this region Southeast Asia esports is uh, I think one of the fastest growing industry um, the other one probably probably is fintech you know another very fast growing industry um, but I think the big what the big big challenge and a big big issue in esports is uh, managing it regulating it and trying to uh, ha have a ring fence over the the industry to ensure that it is run accordingly appropriately properly so it's sustainable uh, it's a long way to go it's, it's you know it's as if you're having a news new football game which is just being created and everyone is figuring out where is offside where is the how will the referee react, etc., etc. So, we're going through that. Um, and then uh, recently, the government of Malaysia issued a blueprint for esports industry. Very interesting blueprint. Something the country can use to refer for future use. Uh, but for purposes of esports law, I would like to see a stronger enforcement of the rules, a more effective adjudication or arbitration or dispute resolution. For esports, in fact, I think we need an esports tribunal, whether they uh, we like it or not, and uh, we need more lawyers to get involved in esports uh, because many of the industry players 
they need help from uh, lawyers. So I would, uh, my last thing would be to encourage all my fellow members of the bar to get involved in esports, not just to play, but to be a lawyer. Thanks. Thank you, Richard. You've been listening to the Richard Wee Chambers podcast. Tune in again. Thank you.